2: from KQED.
3: This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. We begin in Los Angeles where it is a big day. The county is set to start letting a lot of places reopen for the first time since coronavirus closure orders were issued in March. For more on that, I'm joined by the California Report's Saul Gonzalez, who's there. Saul.
0: Hey Lily, so here are the places allowed to reopen in Los Angeles County starting today. Gyms and fitness centers, museums and art galleries, zoos and aquariums, and outdoor rec centers and public pools. Hotels for leisure travel can also reopen for business, and LA County is even allowing film and television production to restart. As restrictions are loosened and places reopen, LA County residents will still be required to wear face coverings while out in public and maintain social distancing, although enforcement will probably Probably be a huge challenge. And even as Los Angeles moves forward with reopening, public health officials are emphasizing that we're still very much in the midst of a pandemic. For instance, yesterday, there were more than 1,800 additional coronavirus cases confirmed in L.A. County and 46 new deaths. Barbara Ferrer, L.A. County's public health director, says if reopenings aren't handled responsibly, the county could see huge increases in new coronavirus infections, hospitalizations, and fatalities. Lily?
3: All right. Thank you, Saul. What will schools look like when they reopen this fall? Well, superintendents around the state are grappling with that now. They're figuring out how to keep kids learning while getting a crash course in logistics. Robert Nelson is the superintendent of the Fresno Unified School District. He joins us now. How are you?
4: I'm well, Lily. Thank you for asking
3: what are you telling parents right now about when students in at Fresno Unified can go back to school and what will it look like when they do go back?
4: So actually, Lily, we've been pursuing a survey where we're asking parents kind of their orientation to what they hope to see happening when their kids are coming back. Um, we anticipate anywhere from about 25 to 30 percent of our families are going to want to have a digital solution. It looks like just about 70 percent of our families really are in Eager to have their kids come back in some form. That being said, like safety is still the order of the hour, and we recognize like all of the restrictions that we put in place for safety, none of them are perfect. But we're hoping that collective, the totality of them taken together in the aggregate, uh, provides enough safety for our kids to be safe and secure whether at our school campuses.
3: So you anticipate back to school for those who want in in September.
4: Uh, August 17th is actually the date upon which we've cut. And we've not moved that needle. So even as early as August 17th.
3: What worries you most about bringing kids back? Because in Fresno, the flattening of the curve has not happened uh, to the extent that it has in some of the other parts of the state.
4: I think early we were really successful in flattening the curve. And of late when restrictions have been removed, now we're not seeing that the curve is flattening as fast. So I think. Uh, just being present with that and making sure that we're not haphazard or reckless about how our kids respond to what is asked of them. I think we're going to have issues with our staff in terms of their relative level of security and safety. We are getting PPE delivered at the by the governor provided some of that, and we anticipate having adequate PPE in place for people to be able to do that. But um, some of our staff members are um, in COVID restricted categories and providing productive ways for them to serve and support kids in a distance learning model is really complex and trying to get kids and teachers and staff members appropriately assigned is, is really complex and you have to do it in lifetime. So there's a lot of moving parts. You have to make some really difficult decisions. Like for example, social distancing on a bus. At six feet you can basically put nine kids on a bus. What do you do with the tenth kid? Is it more dangerous to leave you on the street corner? in the city of Fresno on a busy traffic day, or is it better to put you on the bus? Like, what? You're about mitigating levels of risk. And so I think it's crucially important that our parents know what they're getting into by virtue of bringing kids back. And part of the economy getting better is kids having schooling so that families can get back to work and, you know, needing to live their lives with some degree of normalcy. One thing this has really shown is that schools play a really important role in the fabric of what constitutes normalcy in the city.
3: All right, Superintendent, thank you so much. All right, you have a great day. This summer, educators are taking stock of just how dramatically COVID-19 has changed the way kids learn. Take the 1,600-plus students in Sacramento who lost touch with their public schools when the city district closed classrooms in March. Officials have brought that number closer to 400. CAP Radio's Pauline Bartoloni reports as we head into summer, they've had to find ways to reconnect with kids who are hardest to reach.
2: Sacramento school officials have called texted and emailed parents to try to get kids to homeschool but now they're knocking on their doors Hi. hello Hi. i'm jennifer jennifer crutchman of sacramento city unified oh. ventured out in a face mask in the triple digit heat to this sacramento apartment complex
3: we just wanted to check in and see how you guys are doing with the distance learning she
2: says some kids are lost in the shuffle because of tough family changes during the pandemic like job losses or a move And for some parents, schooling kids at home has been too much to handle amidst the chaos. What happens when families are overly burdened, right? They can't pay their rent and, you know, food
3: insecurity and and all sorts of things are piling on top of them. People just freeze. (laughs) They just
2: stop. One of the biggest obstacles to getting kids to school at home is a language barrier. This family from Afghanistan has been in the city less than a year. A neighborhood teenager helped translate in Farsi. It doesn't go bad, no. You'll be able to use it until
1: it's done. But not
2: all the unreachable families are immigrants. During normal times, Rolanda Wilkins mentors teenage black girls in underserved Sacramento schools. She suspects some of these kids were struggling even before COVID. People have always been disconnected. We just couldn't see them before.
5: I think with COVID, it shows us where all the potholes are, where
2: all the cracks were. Kiddos!
1: Are you going to do school?
2: Critchman rousted some kids out of bed during her 10 a.m. home visits. I worry about their social and emotional uh, well being, their mental health, especially for the kids who are losing connections. And so, My biggest fear is losing that connection and then next year not being able to bring them back in. Sacramento has two and a half more months to link hundreds of school kids back up with formal learning before September. For the California Report, I'm Pauline Bartoloni in Sacramento.
3: Janet Napolitano is nearing the end of her tenure as the president of the University of California. She's been at the helm since 2013, and she sat down with us virtually this week. We asked her how she'd like her seven years as president to be remembered.
5: I want it to be remembered as being lively. We, we just did so many things. Uh, we had the goal of being carbon neutral by 2025, and in pursuit of that goal, we became uh, fossil-free and also invested some of our own funds into new uh, sustainable energy practices. We took on the issue of sexual violence and sexual harassment on college campuses and totally redid uh, the framework for how we handle those matters. We grew substantially in enrollment. Uh, We added some 46,000 students during my tenure, but not only did we add students, we in Improved things like graduation rates, so our four year graduation rate went from sixty three percent to seventy percent. We added transfer students and and formed a transfer guarantee with the community college system, so that now for every two freshmen, we have a transfer student from uh, the community colleges. We worked on issues like free speech on college campuses and started uh, a new national center on free speech and civic engagement in our Washington, D.C. facility. It's just been very lively.
3: And do you think you'll stay in public service after this?
5: Well, my plan is to have a a sabbatical year. I'll have been president seven years, so Mm -hmm. uh, a sabbatical. And then I'll uh, join the faculty at the Goldman School of Public Policy at UC Berkeley, where I'm actually a tenured professor.
3: All right. Well, we look forward to staying in touch with you, President Napolitano. Thank you so very much.
5: Thank you very much. Take care.
3: And we covered a lot of ground with President Napolitano. She fielded many of your questions on the decision to suspend standardized tests in admissions, the ongoing pay dispute with UC grad students, and the future of DREAMers whose immigration status is now in the hands of the U.S. Supreme Court. Check out that full interview on KQED.org. I've also posted it to my Twitter page. I'm at Lily Jamali.
1: Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, acknowledging the vital work of local public health departments to keep Californians safe during the pandemic, on the web at chcf.org. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems.
3: This morning, there is a development in the PG&E bankruptcy that could affect how quickly fire survivors get compensated by the utility. Many of them lost property or even loved ones in fires caused by PG&E. Half of their $13.5 billion compensation deal will be paid in the utility's stock. And today, we've learned that means a trust set up for survivors will own just more than 22% of the company once it gets out of Chapter 11. Lawyers for the survivors said last week pg and was pressuring them into holding the stock for five to six years. Under the terms of a deal released just this morning, six years could be more like a couple of months. Finally this morning, seniors at UCLA are graduating today. The university's 100th graduating class will don their caps and gowns virtually because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Soon-to-be graduate Noor Buzidi recorded this audio memo for us with some reflections.
2: I had this idea back in January that I was gonna make the most of my last quarter, and it just felt like it was gonna be one big party, like we're UCLA centennial class, you know, class of 2020. And instead of that, my friends started moving away. And now it just feels like instead of ending on a boom, we're just fizzing out slowly and graduation is bringing with it just a greater sense of uncertainty than we'd normally feel. And it's just okay to let ourselves feel that uncertainty. And I think that despite everything, I still made the most of my last quarter.
3: Congratulations to Noor and all the seniors graduating this year. And that's the California Report for this Friday. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Alice Wolfley and Raquel Maria Dillon. Our intern is Nina Sparling and our editor is Angela Corral. Our managing editor is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Lindsay and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Lily Jamali, be well and have a great weekend.
1: Support for the California Report, comes from the California Healthcare Foundation acknowledging the vital work of local public health departments to keep Californians safe during the pandemic on the web at chcf.org The James Irvine Foundation committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically learn more at irvine.org and Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems.